Hello, this is Pastor Trent. I want to welcome you to the Mountain Home Church, the Nazarene Sermon Podcast. We are thrilled that you are tuning in to hear sermons from our ministries here at our church. It is our hope that the Spirit of Christ would be present with you as you listen today. I do want to take just a moment to invite you to reach out and connect with us. On our website, we have a way for you to do just that. You can visit www.mhnazarene.org slash connect and fill out a very brief form. There's a spot to leave contact info, ask questions, and even to request prayer. Also, be sure to indicate that you listen to us through our SoundCloud podcast to let us know where you're listening. May the Lord be with you this day. Grace and peace to you. To play with while I while I preach, maybe today. I'm not sure what that's for. No. Don't know what she's trying to communicate there, but it is good uh, to be in God's house with God's family this morning. Um, and thank you, thank you for being here. Um, Again, we said it in announcements, but if you're looking for ways to connect with us, we have two vehicles of doing that. We have the little connect card at the bottom of, of the bulletin. We'd love to, to get your information so that we can follow up with a visit and just say, hey, thanks for, for coming out this morning. We also have the online way. If you're tech savvy, you can go to mhnazarene.org slash connect and connect with us that way. We'd love to pray for you uh, and love to, love to just stay connected. So when you're ready, we'd love to connect with you in that way. As we uh, continue moving on through the year B in the lectionary cycle, the, we're going to keep on journeying through the book of Mark. Today's passage does something that I really kind of don't like um, in the way of lectionary passages, but it takes three different sections of Scripture, and it leaves out little portions in the middle. Um, but like I told my wife, because uh, she was kind of struggling with what to do with the kids moment in this passage, I'm like, I'm not in charge. It's the lectionary's fault. So... Um, <laughs> I'm going to invite you to stand, those who are willing and able, uh, out of respect and reverence for the reading of God's Word. Reading today from Mark chapter 7, we're going to read verses 1 through 8, and then skip down to 14 and 15, and then finally end up with 21 through 23. A reading from the Gospel of Mark chapter 7. The Pharisees and some legal experts from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus They saw some of the disciples eating food with unclean hands. They were eating without first ritually purifying their hands through washing. The Pharisees and all the Jews don't eat without first washing their hands carefully. This is a way of observing the rules handed down by the elders. Upon returning from the marketplace, they don't eat without first immersing immersing themselves. They observe many other rules that have been handed down, such as the washing of cups, jugs, pans, and sleeping mats. Verse 5, so the Pharisees and legal experts asked Jesus, why are your disciples not living according to the rules handed down by the elders, but instead eat food with ritually, ritually unclean hands? He replied, Isaiah really knew what he was talking about when he prophesied about you hypocrites. He wrote, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far away from me. Their, their worship of me is empty since they teach instructions that are human words. You ignore God's commandments while holding on to rules created by humans and handed down to you. 
Skipping to verse 14. Then Jesus called the crowd again and said, Listen to me, all of you, and understand nothing outside of a person can enter and contaminate a person in God's sight. Rather, the things that come out of a person contaminate the person. And down to verse 21. It's from the inside, from the human heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual sins, thefts, murders, adultery, greed, evil actions, deceit, unrestrained immorality, Envy, insults, arrogance, and foolishness. All these evil things come from the inside and contaminate a person in God's sight. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. Please have a seat. As I said, it's our joy to have our kids in with us today. Every last Sunday of the month, they they stay in with us instead of us having kids' church upstairs. We love it. Um, There's always a little bit more paper rustling and movement and a little bit of of small voices uh, that chime in during service. Um, If you're a parent, know that we want to support you as you try to raise your children as people of faith. Um, And uh, there's not a person in this room that minds a little extra noise on Family Sunday. Can I get an amen? Okay, so you just heard it from all those people. It's okay. Um, and if, uh, if there's a, a few other noises, uh, don't, don't worry about that. Um, part, part, of, part of who we want to be is to welcome, welcome our kids into this space as we worship God. Um, as I looked initially at this passage, my first thought was actually about kids. Now, I have a few kids of my own, uh, quite a few kids of my own, um, I clarified for two different people this week that, yes, I do have seven children. Um, and so uh, just saying it publicly, yes, we do have a large family. I've got one in college. I've got two in high school. I've got one in junior high. I've got three at the uh, elementary school uh, this year um, here in town. Uh, so uh, it made me think about kids. Why did it make me think about kids? Because you're supposed to wash your hands, Right? <laughs> One of the things that you have to teach kids to do is, is you, you have to wash your hands, right? Um, have you seen the sign that I've seen? There's a sign that says this. Wash your hands and say your prayers because Jesus and germs are everywhere, right? <laughs> say that again for those of you who are trying to figure that out. Wash your hands and say your prayers because Jesus and germs are are everywhere. I don't know if you've seen that sign, and I don't know who came up with this quote, uh, so I don't really know who to give credit to other than Hobby Lobby for <laughs> spreading it far and wide with their little signs that they, that they make. Um, this whole dialogue might have been averted if Hobby Lobby had been in uh, New Testament Jerusalem selling their signs. We try to teach our kids that we wash our hands. This whole discussion, this whole confrontation between the Pharisees and the legal experts um, as they come to Jesus stems from some pretty unique writings in the Old Testament. Um, Leviticus chapters 11 through 20. We're not going to read those today. They're a pretty dry read. Um, but in the Old Testament, there's all these laws about how to be clean. And how to stay clean, how to be ritually clean as we go about our lives. And things that, that the, the Israelite nation was instructed to do in, in, all, these, in all these ways. And it, it's a pretty unique set of writings. If you look at other ancient writings, there's not a whole lot of, of nations and not a whole lot of religions that encouraged this kind of activity. 
Um, Erdman's handbook of the Bible says, Today we are able to understand and appreciate the sound principles that we find there in the Levitical code of diet, hygiene, and medicine, which these laws express. Uh, Expositor's Bible commentary says, Levitical laws of cleanliness have no known extensive parallels in the surrounding cultures. In other words, the Israelites were kind of unique in some of these traditions. And some of these instructions that, that this wasn't, uh, wasn't a common thing. Modern science has shown us today what germs are and shown that some of these practices are, are probably pretty good practices that the Israelites did back in the day. What no one saw coming was COVID, right? And, and now we have hand sanitizers all over the place. There's one right there if you need your hands sanitized. And, and we understand that the germs are present. And that there's a reason for washing your hands. Whatever your feeling is about hand sanitizers. One of the things that you try to teach your kids is hygiene, right? And hygiene is your own job. It's, it's your own job. It, when you've reached the pinnacle is when you don't have to remind your children as they come out of the bathroom. Did you wash your hands? Did you go back and wash your hands. I'm still doing that from time to time. It's not my high school boys, I promise. <laughs> The religious folks attacking Jesus and his disciples here totally forget this. The Pharisees have made it their practice, has made, have made it their job. We're going to help people know what they're doing wrong. What a great job. Pharisees love it, right? They were the holy police. They, were, they became the hand-washing police for the people of Israel. Why? Why do your disciples eat without this ritual washing. Well, Jesus stands up and defends his disciples. Um, how cool would that be, right? To have Jesus on your side and be like, here, here we see a little bit of what, what's more common in the book of Mark than the other gospels that we have, Matthew, Luke, and John. We see confrontational Jesus, a Jesus who's willing to stand up a little bit here for his, for his disciples. He doesn't really have time or patience for these religious leaders who, who deem it their job to become the hand-washing police. He references Isaiah 29 here. He says, you people, you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far away. Your worship is empty since your instructions are human words, that these are human rituals that have been passed down, but your hearts have wandered far away from God. Jesus doesn't really have time for this, and he labels it. Labels it a pretty harsh word, hypocrisy. Jesus has such harsh and confrontational words for, for hypocrites, and that's consistent throughout, throughout all the Gospels. Primarily the Pharisees, uh, the elders, the teachers of the law, the people who have made it their practice to say, we're going to let people know how they're messing up. These are the people that Jesus confronts the most often. And what I think, I think, is that this is first a warning for me. That as I stand behind a pulpit, as I try to teach God's word, I need to be careful. I need to be careful about my attitude. I need to be careful about the way that I speak about God's word. I, but I think it's a warning and a reminder for all of us that they're following the law. The Pharisees are, are very meticulous about following the law and following the instructions. 
following what was held up as right and good and proper and the way to do things. Because this was from the Old Testament writings. But Jesus' point is that we have to keep our hearts close to God. It's, it's, it, it's so critical. It's so important. We can't uh, ignore God's commandment, which was to keep our hearts close to God while holding on to the man-made rules of wash your hands, do the things you're supposed to do. That was Jesus who was saying that. That was Jesus who was saying, you're so caught up in following the letter of the law that you've missed the heart of the law. That Jesus wasn't looking for perfect adherence to the words. More critical for Jesus was drawing close to the heart of God. You know, sometimes it's easier. Sometimes it's easier to kind of be cold and callous and just make sure you're checking off all the boxes, doing the things that you're supposed to do. Look the way you're supposed to look. And with Jesus saying it, we have on good authority that it's so much more important to stay close to the heart of God. I don't know if that convicts you like it convicts me. I don't know if, if for you sometimes it's, it's, it's more about looking the right way and, and doing the right things than it is drawing close to the heart of God. <laughs> and I love that reading from James that we read today. Um, and I think it speaks into this. Do we, do we just take a cursory glance at Scripture? Do we just, do we just walk up to the mirror and, and see ourselves and walk away? People sometimes do that. Sometimes we go to Scripture just looking for that one verse, that one thing that proves our point or, or says what we want to say and says, that's how I'm going to live. That's what I'm going to do. I mean, and Google and the Bible app really help us with this, right? If you want to find a verse, all you got to remember is like two or three words and Google will find it for you, right? But when we stop and pause and digest and dig in and put into practice what Scripture tells us and what Scripture reminds us to do, we begin to see the whole tenor of Scripture, this whole beautiful way that, that God wants us to live. And when we do that, James says, when we do that, when we put into practice what God is calling us to do, at the end of the day, what will that look like? We'll find ourselves caring for orphans and widows in their distress, looking distinct from the world, looking different than how the world looks. As we work down through this passage in Mark, there's this section skipped. And the, and the first kind of skipped section is another example of this same blunder, this, this example of ignoring the heart of God's message to just focus on this, this one detail. But as we, as we dive back in, and in verse 14, he comes back and he really strikes at the heart of what Jesus, I think, wants to say and wants to say to us today. We see here just this incredible shift from what the, the Pharisees had said, what the Pharisees have gone around saying, come on now, you gotta, you gotta wash your hands, you gotta, do what, you gotta do what the scriptures say. We see this reversal of expectation. Why do we clean stuff? Why, the, what's the purpose of this activity, this ritual of hand 
washing. The literal hand washing is so that bad stuff doesn't get in us. The dirt and germs, which are everywhere, don't get into us. Dirt and viruses, bacteria, whatever. And, and, and they had this, had let this ritual, this external practice become primary because of the rule that had been established. Oh, we are supposed to do this. We were told to do this. So we do this like we're supposed to so that we can be clean. I think there's a lot of things that go through that progression in our lives. You know, we can start with something that's good. We can start with something that's, that's healthy, and yet over years and years of repetition, there grows a monotony and a staleness that grows a bit. And this intentional practice, this thing that started out as good and healthy in our lives, can become commonplace, can become a bit rote, and, and an item to do, an item to check off of our to-do list. Does this happen to you? Have you ever had something that was good and healthy kind of become a burden, kind of become stale, kind of become a little less meaningful than it really ought? I don't know. I, it's, to me, it, it reminds me a little bit of the megaphone that the kids are working on, right? You can, you can color it up on the outside any way you want. Okay, I've seen lots of, of megaphones, especially, I don't know why college cheerleaders use the megaphones, right? But you can put any name you want on the outside of it. You put BSU. I see a face mask back there for BSU. I heard they have their first game coming up. I don't know. Uh, you can put Idaho Vandals on it. You can put Washington Huskies on it. Whatever it looks like on the outside, though, doesn't really matter, right? It's about what comes out. It's about the message that comes out of that when it comes down to it, the exterior really doesn't matter as much, nearly as much, as what comes out of it. And it's the same in our lives. Our, our lives are shaped more fine, foundationally by the essence of our interior lives. Not by the habits and rituals that we do. Our habits, our tendencies, or, or our rules, or our laws. That's what the Pharisees loved. They had all day, that was their life, that was their job, to, to dive into those laws and figure them out and, and try to follow them, dot every I and cross every T with the law so that they could teach others how to be holy. They loved doing the right things. They loved doing the right actions. For that was their discipline and that was their work. And when they were out amongst the people, <laughs> they thought it was their gift to point out to the common folk the errors they were making, the things they were doing wrong. And I think that's what just kind of ticked Jesus off a little bit. <laughs> Your hearts have grown far from me. You've gotten cold and callous and have no compassion. And all you're interested in is correcting others. When I'm honest, the church has a lot of ritual. Did you know the church has a lot of ritual? I mean, we, we don't wash our hands. <laughs> we don't have a hand-washing station that you have to 
Well, I guess we do. Um, but we have ritual. And the truth is we're largely shaped by the repeated practices of our lives. I've heard a lot of buzz over, over this, this past several years that, that we are shaped by our practices. Um, most recently, N.T. Wright said this, in, in most Jewish families, minds were not formed day, or minds would be formed day by day, month by month, and year by year, not so much by reflections on the great powers that history records, not by the telling of, of history, but by the Sabbaths by the annual Passovers, by the other festivals, the pilgrimages to Jerusalem itself. And we have those same rituals in our lives today. But I'll tell you that, that sometimes, too often, we, and maybe I should say I, focus on the internal, on the external. We focus on the external parts of, of those rituals and those habits we dress it up real nice. Have you ever heard of this? Make sure you look, you, you look your Sunday best. Right? I wore jeans for the barbecue. I don't, re, I don't usually wear jeans. Um, why? We're kind of stuck in this ritual. Of, of When we come to church, when we gather in this place, we kind of look like we have it all put together. I'm not sure Jesus would be too excited about all that. I think Jesus wants us to come as we are. That the, the habits and the rituals are not so much about external, how we look and how we come across. But the habits and the rituals that we do are meant to shape us and form us, to transform us into something new internally. I, I, I think... I think there's enough evidence that I can say this, but the church has really, has really struggled with uh, millennials and Gen Zers who have kind of said, you know what, I'm not sure that, that church is, is meant for me. I've talked to some of you about sons and daughters or grandsons and granddaughters that have made choices to, to not, not be in church as much. And I think that part of the reason is that the church has, has lost its message, that this ritual that we do, that when we gather, when we come to church, it's not about coming to church. It's about being shaped into the people of God, day by day and week by week. We don't give because we need to keep the lights on. We give because we want to internally say, I want to be a part of the mission of God that this people is doing, that this gathered church is saying, this is important and we want to be a voice for Christ in Mountain Home. And so it's not about, oh yeah, I gave my tithe, I gave my offering, check that off my list. Instead, we want to invite you into participation in the work God is doing in this place. Amen? That's the reality of transformation. That's the becoming new because what happens is what the important stuff that happens is internal. Not that, yeah, I went to church again today. They say that average attendance, um, you know, 50 years ago was for church was a person that went to church three or four times a month. Now it's like one and a half. One and a half to two. Why do we say that? Well, why is that important? Because I hope that when you come to this place, 
that you feel an invitation to internally be shaped by who Christ is, that he is inviting you to become the person he has created you to be. The problem with the Pharisees and the, and the reason that Jesus got all worked up because it was, it was all about following the rules for the Pharisees, checking off the boxes, and their hearts were far from God. I pray that in this place, I pray that in this place, that we are people who want to be internally changed by God as we open our lives up to him. Because when there's no transformation, it's all just external. It's all just packaging on the outside. Today we have a chance to um, participate in uh, what I hope is a, is a transformative practice that the church regularly does called communion. I'm going to invite the praise team and those who are prepared to serve communion with us to come on up and get ready. We have the opportunity today to share in one of the most formative practices of our church, the sacrament of communion. There, there are some churches out there who take, com- or, or, who take communion every Sunday. Uh, that's part of their regular worship. Um, and one of the arguments against that that I've heard is eh, it kind of becomes, meh, it's just too common that way. It kind of becomes a ritual to which I want to say, no, no, then you're doing, you're doing communion the wrong way. That when you come and when you receive the bread and the juice, when you, when you come to that table, that is a transformative moment. Don't let it be about the external. Don't be, let it become like ritual hand washing, but receive with fear and trembling those elements that symbolize for us the very body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That every time, every time you take communion, that you would understand that this is a means of grace. This is a way of, of Christ inviting you to the table to be transformed once again. Did you hear the words of Scripture? That it's not what goes into the body that makes person unclean, but what comes out. That when we allow our internal selves, our very beings to be shaped and formed by the message of Jesus Christ, that he makes us new. And he invites us again today to be made new. As we take communion today, there's, there's three stations for communion around the, the sanctuary. Um, We'll be serving intinction communion for those that are comfortable. Uh, if that's if that's uh, if you've ever had that before, um, you'll come up and receive uh, from the person holding the plate of bread, uh, just a piece of bread. We invite you to to take that and to gently dip that into the juice and take communion right there. Um, for the people holding the juice, they also have a bowl of prepackaged elements. If you're feeling like that's more in your comfort level, you can just approach. Um, and take one of those, um, and, and you can uh, be served communion that way, just based on your, your own comfort level. Our bread is gluten-free for those with sensitivities in that area. Um, if you have the, the bread and the juice, I invite you to just partake there. Uh, if you take the prepackaged, you can return to your seat uh, and take communion while you're at your seat.
on the night that Christ was betrayed, he gathered with his, his disciples in, in what was an upper room, a second story room where they shared the Passover meal. And it was during that meal that Jesus kind of went off script. The Passover meal had a very um, regimented, scripted way of being served. But in the middle of the meal, he took a loaf of bread and he gave thanks for it and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body which is broken and given to you. As often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Likewise, after the meal, he took the cup, he offered thanks and, and gave it to them saying, this is my blood poured out for the new covenant. As often as you drink this cup, do so in remembrance of me. And for thousands of years, the church, those who have followed Christ, have, have repeated this meal as a means of grace. And today, I just, I, I invite you to let it shape you internally. Don't let it be just a common practice. Don't. Let it become commonplace. For Christ has set the table and extended the invitation to us saying, come and dine. Today, we do as he is instructed and accept that invitation. In the Nazarene Church, we serve open communion. Anyone who is a follower of Christ or, or who wants to open their lives to that journey with Christ is welcome to participate. Let me pray for us. And then as we sing, you're invited to come and share in this meal of communion. God, thank you for today. Thank you for who you are and how you call us today as we celebrate communion. Would you be with us? Would you shape us and form us from the inside out, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today on the Mountain Home Church the Nazarene podcast. Don't forget to visit us at mhnazarene.org connect if you'd like to connect with us and have a great week.